See, I'm the child of a witch and an android. I'm their wish come true. Bigger than magic, living information, retro reincarnated in human form. Now my brother, he'd give you a physical fight. He'd warp time and space and punch you 50 times a second. But when I warp time and space, I use my words. And I say that I'm a bigger deal in this reality than you are. Now sit tight, you little pest, while we clean up the mess you made. Bienvenidos and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our residents is to lay down a fundamental understanding of a geeky concept for a newcomer before sending them on their way into the wild world of nerdery. Our subject this time around is curious about magic in the Marvel Universe. Professor Z, what's our lesson for today? Pretty much everyone that probably should get their own episode but didn't have quite enough to, like, fit, so we're just cramming them all in one go, the... These are magicians, but we don't have a whole, like... But we already have too many episodes planned. Yes, but we would like to finish this in the next year or two. These are all basically people that at one point or the other, or another has been like, they're Doctor Strange's rival. They're do like, Doc Strange is number one. This guy is number two. <laughs> but there's like six of them. Well, there's four, but... And all at times have been... More powerful than strange. I'm throwing... For, at times. I'm throwing shade here, but I actually legitimately like all four of these characters quite a bit. And some of them don't really deserve... Well, one of them. Druid sucks. I'm sorry. I love him, but he's awful. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Sorry, Dr. Druid. But first off, we're going to go with not Dr. Druid. There's three doctors in this one. This could just be Doctors the episode. But first off, we are going to go with Dr. Doom. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I am going to throw so much shade at Dr. Doom here, and he does not deserve it for the most part. Honestly, Doom is one of the best creations that Stanley and Jack Kirby ever came up with. He is the preeminent villain of the Marvel Universe, as far as I'm concerned. But he's kind of a crappy magician, and it's his nobody's fault but his own. Dr. Doom is often given credit as, like, he's as good a sorcerer as Strange, or he could be as good a sorcerer as Dr. Strange. But he's not, because he puts just as much or more time into science instead. Honestly, if Dr. Doom just focused on magic, he would win. He would be the Sorcerer Supreme. He could rival any of them. But he doesn't, because he can't accept the fact that he is a crappier scientist than Mr. Fantastic. Before this episode started, Mac, you asked a little bit about Doom uh, and how often he actually uses magic. Mm. It's a weird answer, because it's kind of a lot, but it's usually mixed with technology of some sort. Yeah, and honestly, I kind of wish they would just own that a little more. Just, he's a technomancer. But... Instead, he's like, I could use magic for this, but instead I'm going to use this machine, my time cube, or my... I, 
I made a laser gun that works identically to a laser gun, but it's technically magic. It's... Um, we are not going to give a full rundown of Doctor Doom. We'll give some of his origin stuff, and but I'm mostly just going to focus on a few notable times he used magic as opposed to, let's get a history of all the cool stuff Doctor Doom has done, because that would be a full episode on its own. Hmm. Uh, Doctor Doom comes from the nation of Latveria, which is a doesn't actually exist nation in uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe, where he rules with an iron fist. He went to college in America, where he worked with Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, before deciding, clearly, I am much smarter than you. Mm-hmm. But that ends well. It never does. It <laughs> never does, Mackenzie. <laughs> Why Dr. Doom puts the mask on his face is some... The, the, the reason is varied. Okay. Because he's got the big armor thing. He never takes the mask off. Mm. Um... Only rarely, usually like when his face is magically repaired, does he take the mask off. And I don't actually like it. In some versions, his face got mangled. In my favorite version, his face had just like a tiny little scar on it. And he's like, unacceptable. (laughs) Doom has been sullied. (laughs) And like forges this steel mask. And in some versions... Puts the mask on before he finishes, before it finishes cooling down and actually does mangle his face because it had just like, you know, little scar above the eye. Like, that's intense. (laughs) Doom's truth is that he's an egomaniac Mm -hmm. and it is what brings him down every single time he's a dictator like mr fantastic or dr strange and either one of those are overly good at admitting that like people are smarter than them he's like man you're amazing you're like at my level and that's why they can like challenge doom and doom's always like i beat you no what this is going my way isn't going my way that's impossible Ah! Ah! (laughs) and then like starts frothing in the mouth and the plane goes bad like weird but it doesn't matter because it was a Doom bot the entire time. Yes. Uh, the Doom has fake robots, not fake robots, real robots, fake Dooms that all just look like his Doom armor. And more often than not, if a story doesn't go the way that it should for like Doom to win, it turns out it was a Doom bot. <laughs> all along. Yeah. Sometimes it was retroactively revealed it was a Doom bot because the writer that came after was like, Oh, that's really embarrassing for him. I don't like that. <laughs> he doesn't need that. Turns out that was a robot. Nope. But anyways, Doom has been mentioned as a match for Doctor Strange when it comes to at least abilities in magic, like capabilities, if not, you know, full learned experience and knowledge sets. Um, to the point that at one point there was a competition for who will be the new Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. And Doom beat everybody but Stephen Strange. People who are more powerful than him because Doom is a very good tactician. Mm. As a result of this, Strange is required to give a boon to whoever got second place. And in this case, it's Dr. Doom, which Strange was not crazy about for very obvious reasons. But... Doom's request is actually, in theory, not that bad. Doom's mother got banished. Her soul got banished to hell after she died. Um, And I'm... God, I wish I had looked this up. It's from Virtue and Vice, and I want to say it's at least partly Doom's fault. 
but I could be wrong on that. I should have researched that part before I said that out loud. <laughs> but the goal of this, he's just like, strange, we're going to go get Mama Doom out of hell. And they like, you know, kick down the doors to hell, going through all of this battle. And Doom comes up with this plan that Strange was not told about, that he's just going to swap out Strange for his mom. He's going to leave Strange trapped in hell forever and take his mom out. Mm -hmm. And his mom, who's not a unlike Victor, is like, no, what is wrong with you? How dare you do this to me? And her soul becomes purified enough in the, no, I will not let you sacrifice that random guy for me to get out of hell, that she just gets kicked out of hell anyways. Sweet. Sent back up to heaven. What did she do to get there? Not really sure. Cool. Uh, but... Raised Dr. Doom. I mean... <laughs> as I said, Doom might be responsible for it. Like, it was a big ongoing thing for him for a while that, like, every year he would try and break his mother out of hell. It's, it's a um, yearly thing? Yeah, right. All right, it's February, guys. <laughs> Let's do Mother's this! Day. <laughs> and this Mother's Day... <laughs> I'm making fun of this story. Virtue and Vice is also an extremely good comic book at the mm -hmm. same time. Uh, the artist is Mike Magnola, who created Hellboy. Interesting. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's going to be an interesting looking book. It's Roger Stern, who wrote that Into the Dark Dimension mm -hmm. comic that we read a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. And Mike Magnola on art. I love Magnola's art. It's great. And it's before Hellboy, so it's a little more primitive. Okay. But it's still. And Strange is like, wait, did you do this on purpose? Like, knowing that her telling you to go to hell while we're in hell would break her out of hell. And Doom's like, it does not matter. <laughs> I am Doom. <laughs> yes. That's pretty much Doom's response to most things. Doom! <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, next big occurrence that comes to mind is at one point he decides that he can't beat Richards when it comes to science. And technology, but obviously he's better anyways, because he can do magic and Reed Richards is real bad at it. So he makes a deal with a bunch of demons uh -huh. to gain to, to boost his power level to what it would be if he had like put all of his time and energy into it. Shortcuts his way through. In return, he has to sacrifice someone he loves. So he finds his childhood sweetheart Valeria and turns her into a skin suit. He makes mystic armor out of her skin. It's gross. What the f <laughs> <laughs> Nice catch on the no swearing contest right there. That was good. Uh, he then tortures all of the Fantastic Four, traps Doctor Strange away in a different dimension, and leaves Reed Richards in a library of spells and being like, if you can figure out some basic magic, you can break out and save people. Being like, that'll never work. And then it worked. Uh, <laughs> Reed's got to be a good study, right? He's a good study. He's terrible at magic, but it, he like did just enough to like figure out how to help Strange get his astral form out. Mm. And then Strange was like, "Oh, here's what, here's what you do. Here like, you I'll just help you out. I'm Doctor Freaking Strange. You're Reed Richards. We got this, son." Uh, that story ends with Doom banished to hell, which is fair. Yeah. Very deserved. With the skin suit? Very deserved. We never see the skin armor again. How does that work out? Like, he hits her up on Facebook with the Doom mask on in his profile. He's like, hey, want some coffee? <laughs> he does pop up, and he's wearing just, like, a suit, and he's got a different mask, but it's still, like... Oh, it's this fancy mask? 
And then, <laughs> like, he's got like a suit and kind of like a plastic, like it's got a it's whole a terrible cigars. movie. But did you ever see Vanilla Sky? I did. Yeah. Like it kind of looks like that mask oh, that he no. has to wear. Um, oh, okay. No. And he's like. We loved each other once. Do you love me still? I am Doom. <laughs> and she's like, I kind of do. And he's like, great. Skin suits. <laughs> Your skin is mine. Uh, that run was written by Mark Wade, who was in that Doctor Strange run that we did. Uh, in a really good Fantastic Four run. With Mike Ringo, which I'm only going to mention because Ringo was a great artist. And I'm really sad he died because great, like, cartoony artist. Anyways. Doom manages to break out of hell when Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, and Thor's been missing for a few years at this point. This is just before Civil War. That happens often. A lot. Yeah. He's got the Nine Realms to patrol. Oh, he was even gone from there. This was after Ragnarok. He's got the Ten Realms to patrol. Sorry. (laughs) The Ten being his bedroom where all his alcohol is. Oh, his sister lives there. Don't do that. That just makes that weird. Uh, But that's a different episode. But the hammer comes back to Earth and it creates a tear in space. And Doom's like, well, I'm going to use that to get out of hell. Why not? Which, well done, Doom. Like, very good plan there. But then he shows up being like, well, obviously that means I wield Mjolnir, right? No. He fights the Fantastic Four for a while, beats them back long enough to try and pick it up. It doesn't work because, I don't know, you're a You had a skin suit at one point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you literally, you made a skin suit. I don't think anything where the word worthy is involved really applies to you, Victor. Um... (laughs) Skipping forward again to another run that was very beautiful because Brian Hitch wrote, drew it and very badly written because Mark Miller wrote it. I am pulled no apologies. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but there is a story where we find out that Doom has a mentor that has never been mentioned before. Pretty crappy mentor. Yes. He is a multiversal destroyer. He just goes from multiverse to like universe to universe in the multiverse just killing everyone cool. he's like that doom kid that doom kid knows what's what but he comes back to earth 616 the universe that we are in here that the marvel universe is in and he's like doom what the hell buddy you are supposed to be the next like multiversal destroyer because apparently that's a job with legacy or something i don't know but instead you're running this like tiny eastern european nation and getting beaten up by the fantastic four a lot like this is not going well <laughs> For you. So he throws Dr. Doom back to the beginning of time. And he's got a new apprentice. But then thanks to time travel, it's revealed that the new apprentice is actually Dr. Doom still. Because using the power of hatred and black magic, he has survived since the beginning of time. Relearning all of these things and becoming like the new master. And then he just goes back to being Dr. Doom, and it is never mentioned again. What? But Doom retains his long life in the Jason Aaron run. That doesn't surprise me. Doom's the person that would live through these Mm -hmm. things. Um, The idea of Doom living for millennia does not surprise me at all. What bothers me about that story is it radically changes Doom, and then they just Do nothing with it? Yeah. That run was not very popular, so I'm not surprised. It was a robot. Wow. <laughs> His robots are good. They don't need to eat or anything. Doom they bot through time. A Doombot <laughs> does join the Avengers at one point. What? <laughs> He's like, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> but he keeps shouting like, Doom will destroy you all. 
It's horrible. It's like the only thing you can say. We will not be covering Avengers AI in the magic season, but man, it's a fun comic book. Uh, And then the only other really magic doom thing there is, is about 16 times he has stolen somebody's power. And whether it counts as like magic or technology is always kind of vague on it. Uh, He manipulates the Scarlet Witch in a story that will come up much more in the Scarlet Witch episode to steal her power. He steals the power of the Beyonder to seize control of Battle World and become God Emperor Doom on more than one occasion. Which is not a sentence that you think would come up multiple times. I was about to say, how do we rank Doom God in with him as a magic user? Because it wasn't really through magic. It wasn't really. That falls under, I've mentioned this before, that I kind of think of like the three different levels of like science, magic, and cosmic when it comes to different kinds of uh, comic book stories. Mm-hmm. And the cosmic is like, well, there's no science that make like that can even pretend this works, but it's not magic either. So it's just kind of a I'm not sure what it is. So we're just going to roll with it. Although technically he was kind of a god for a little bit. However, you want to count multiple that. times. Yeah. <laughs> Doom gains omnipotent power more than Thanos does. And Thanos does it a bunch. It's like Thanos's thing. <laughs> Oh, and he keeps making deals with Loki, too. Not necessarily I'm a do magic deals, but much more like, I don't know. As I said, I I like that Doom does magic. I kind of wish they would do a little more to make it distinct Mm -hmm. as opposed to Doom has done this thing now. (laughs) Is it magic technology? Do not question Doom. (laughs) Why Um, is it always third person? Because he is Doom. There's <laughs> like, a Spider-Man comic where he's talking and he you know, says Doom, and it shows it in the like, you know, uh, his name and like not just ital- like bold in italics, but in the little like symbol they do if it's like the, the cover of a comic. And someone mm-hmm. goes, "How do you do that? How do you always make your name like <laughs> metallic like that?" He goes, Silent peasant. <laughs> uh, one. It's another time where it was arguable which powers he was using during the fight at what times. But as I have brought up King Thor in the past, in the timeline of King Thor, like millions and millions of years in the future, Doom is still around and has harnessed the power of the Iron Fist, the Star Brand, and is the Sorcerer Supreme. That means he's punched a dragon to death. (laughs) <laughs> that is amazing. He's become a. Uh, oh, you're showing me the picture. It also has kind of that Doom 2099 armor going on. A little too, bit. Which, yeah. Oh, God, that's a good run. That is not the thing. Okay, I'm sorry. I could do like six episodes on Doom. <laughs> and it would be this, as we were saying here, the like equal levels of making fun of him and just loving this character. Uh, do you have anything else on Doom before we switch to our next boy? Or do you have any questions? I'm sorry. He sounds like a, a really nice guy to have at a party. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Although he can afford to throw a real lavish Oh, it would be a great bash, but like... Like the cake would be his face. The cups would be him. He's going to shame you. Yeah. Uh, if everyone's not a cheering for him enough, he will unleash Doombots on you. But you know, if like you're a receptive and like super clappy guest, you might have a good time. 
<laughs> do you think that do you think that that area that he owns as a dictator? Every time they come out, they're all like, "Woo, yeah!" They're clapping as soon as he leaves. They're like, "Anyways, there, there has there was one bit where he's like getting some kind of you know parade or something like that, and he straight up tells his second in command like, "Make them cheer for another half an hour." What? And then like goes in his castle like, "Yep." Um, Doom loves Latveria, but Doom loves Latveria on Doom's terms. On like, Lat- I will protect Latveria first and foremost, but because it is mine, as opposed to Black Panther, who was like, I am of Wakanda. Big difference. Uh, yes. Yeah. Doom is a fascist. He's a type of guy where if there's dissent, <laughs> it's a lot of talk for someone to still wearing their skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen my skin armor? I could show it to you. Have you seen my skin gallery? It's like a wax museum of skin. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, he sounds like fun. I don't think this is what's going through most of the writers' minds when writing Doom and why they sort of dance around him being a magic user. But I could see how certain ways he could use magic would potentially be offensive considering he's supposed to be Romani. Yeah, and we'll probably cover the like, ooh, that's a little uncomfortable in the Scarlet Witch episode much more, who Mm -hmm. is very Romani. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily always the case, though. I think some people just don't uh, like to f*** around with magic and doom. Well, and I think it can be... uh, I think it can be hard, because you have to limit doom somehow. Because he's so good at everything and he has to be really good at everything to, like, be the threat that he is. But you have to still have a weakness, like a way that he falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so the answer to that is doom. He's his own weakness. The answer to all things is doom. <laughs> doom. Doom. And okay. F dome. <laughs> and on that note, we come to our next person. Who's also a jerk? Anthony Ludgate Druid. Also known as the first Doctor Strange. Was he a doctor in? In doctoring. Actually, he's a psychologist. Cool. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And he uses it a lot, mostly to hypnotize people in ethically questionable ways. But. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) um, (laughs) So Druid is interesting because he actually predates Marvel Comics. And he was, as I said, kind of the first Doctor Strange. Mm. When Marvel was still known by Atlas, by the name of Atlas Comics, they created a character named Dr. Droom. D-R-O-O-M. Okay. Droom! Droom! <laughs> and this comic was created by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, okay. and inked by Steve Ditko. So now you were, I don't know how much of those names. Obviously, you know who Stan Lee is. He created everything. And we've talked about Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko created Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Jack Kirby helped create X-Men, Hulk, Daredevil, did some of the initial designs for Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, The Avengers. He created Captain America. Okay. He helped with Iron Man and Thor to various levels. So he's been around. Uh, uh, Like... The week that we're recording this, the Justice League Snyder Cut just came out. He created Darkseid and, like, all the villains of that. Mm-hmm. He is the king. Oh, he helped create Black Panther, uh, Fantastic Four. I don't know if I said that one already. He's... Maybe. At every... Doom! It's hard he to keep track. He created Doom! Um, <laughs> it's hard to keep track at a certain point. He's yes. done so much. Kirby is the king of comic books. This is, like, as close to comic book royalty creating 
together as you can get. Mm. But it was right before the Silver Age explosion where comics became wildly profitable again. So they did a couple of these, like, Dr. Droom magic investigator stories. And it's, you know, like, oh, there's a ghost in this house. Dr. Droom's going to go investigate. Oh, Atlanteans are showing up. Dr. Droom. Um, Droom. <laughs> and then they stopped doing it. And a few years later, Lee and Ditko created Dr. Strange. And they went, hey, that's kind of like that Droom guy. Whatever. Whatever. Visually, Strange is much more interesting. Mm. But Roy Thomas, who was like Stanley's number two guy, went, I kind of liked that Dr. Droom guy. So we're going to change it because we already have Dr. Doom, so we don't need Dr. Droom. He'll be Dr. Druid. And just started like sprinkling him through comics for the years. Mm. In universe, though... Dr. Anthony Ludgate Druid was a psychologist who was super fascinated with the Druids. He's I hate that his written name is Dr. Druid. Sorry, that's why I keep shaking my head. Why, why do you hate that so bad? I love, I love it more as like a superhero name. I don't like that his real, okay. quote unquote, real name <laughs> is Dr. Druid. If it helps... He, it was originally just Anthony Ludgate, and he changed it legally because it, like, fit the motif that, better. It doesn't help. <laughs> it makes him say, lamer. We are going to make fun of Dr. Druid, like, nonstop for the next 15 minutes, but... Is he the one who ends up dead in a dumpster? Yes! Yeah, yeah we're, we're fine, yeah. But <laughs> if I got a crack at, like, any Marvel character I could tell, Druid would be pretty high up there for me to, like, make a miniseries of... Just to see if I could do something fun with the character. Or if I had like a team book, I would want to put him on it than anything else. But Anthony Ludgate Druid, born in England, studied at Harvard in the United States, and uh, was very interested in the Druids, as we said. He decides that he really wants to learn and become a Druid. But he knows that the Druids didn't write anything down. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a real problem we have. We know the mm -hmm. Druids existed, but we have no idea. What if they, they wrote anything down, they didn't write it on anything that has survived to today. Which is fair. Which was a huge problem with like archaeology when it comes to the Celts. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I'm going to find other people with oral traditions and maybe they. So he goes to Tibet to learn about the Druids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now... <laughs> The, the theory is like, maybe if I can learn some of their stuff and combine it with what I know about the druids, we can, like, is he recreate some druid spells or okay. whatever. Okay. But really, that was, a, I'm pretty sure, a later writer being like, he did what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> there, he meets the Ancient One. Of course. Who's like, I don't really care about druids, dude. I just want to... Just do magic. I'm trying to find an apprentice, and I'm trying to deal with Baron Mordo, who has tried to kill me like four times this week. He's going through his emo phase. <laughs> like, for the last, like, 20 years. <laughs> He'll grow out of it. It's It'll fine. be fine. It's fine. Is that, is that Welcome to the Black Parade I hear? <laughs> oh, he's about to try again. <laughs> you should go hide in the closet. But sure, I'll train you some magic. He opens up Dr. Druid's abilities, like, teaches him basic magic. But Druid's like, no, nah, I don't want to be a Sorcerer Supreme. What are you talking about? And he just bounces. Okay. Goes back to America, starts working as a paranormal investigator, and he starts calling himself the Master of the Unknown. 
the last guy who just bounced died from like a 50 foot fall from a building. I don't know, man. Like, okay, so yes, he did much better than Nicodemus West did. <laughs> cool, cool. But um, not by much. During this time, he works with Ulysses Bloodstone, who is a monster hunter, and uh, the Eternal Makari, who is going to be in a movie that comes out this the year that we're doing this podcast, uh, to form a team known as the Monster Hunters. They hunt monsters. I like it. In case you didn't catch on to that. <laughs> Pop quiz. What do they do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How oversized are their weapons? Are we talking like giant hammers or? I'm pretty sure. And I haven't read the Monster Hunter books in a long time. They're hard to find. And there was only like two or three stories about this group adventuring together. But I'm pretty sure Dr. Druid was wearing the full like pith helmet and like khakis, like British imperialism thing going on here. Okay. Druid's not a great guy, guys. He's he's not. He faces a group of Atlanteans, though. He does some good work. Doctor Strange pops up and immediately tops his thunder. Because Doctor Strange. But he ends up teaming up with the Black Knight, who's like, wow, this guy's actually like surprisingly good for a weird bald dude. <laughs> like <laughs> weird middle-aged bald man. Um, Avengers Mansion is under siege by the Masters of Evil. Do you think uh, you want to help out there, Anthony? No. And he does, actually. No, he, he does. He joins the Avengers after this. He helps assault Mount Olympus. He, uh, at first, was a very good Avenger. Mm -hmm. Most of his powers come through hypnosis and uh, some psychic ability. He can do other magic, but mostly it's like mind stuff. When was he a psychologist? Before the magic. Before, so he's just a Freudian. Yes. Okay. He's like, what if Freud had magic? Oh God, that's I, awful. Oh God. That's why I'm not liking Stop him. Stop right making now. me hate Doctor Druid even more. <laughs> he doesn't need help, Mackenzie. <laughs> he, he needs a lot of help. He needs so much help. Oh man, we haven't even gotten to like the. <laughs> you like you were already enjoying joking about like how things go badly for the Black Knight. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're just now meeting Anthony Ludgate Druid. Let's do this. So from the very beginning, Druid's biggest failures is he's a raging egotist and he likes the ladies. Okay. But mostly it's the raging egotist to the point that he becomes a probationary member of the Avengers. When you first join during this period, you're not a full member. You don't really get like voting rights. And when it comes time to pick the new leader, you don't get a say. And they can just fire you for no reason within the first year of employment. And then... <laughs> <laughs> We're not going into capitalism in this podcast, Anthony. <laughs> I almost got you, Anthony, there. Apparently, you're Druid now. Get out! Oh, no! Get out! <laughs> I don't want it. Doom! I'm shouting a lot today. But he's like, man, you know it would be great? If I led the Avengers, I should do that. But I can't. So Monica Rambeau is going to take over. She was in WandaVision recently, and she was the little girl in the first Captain Marvel movie, if you've ever... Mm. seen that mm -hmm. she is the second captain marvel which is the title she's going by at this time um and she's actually pretty cool druid though he serves as i said ably as an avenger for a while gets seduced by he thinks nebula the blue sister of gamora from guardians of the galaxy mm -hmm. years before this that guardians team was a team okay but secretly it is the time warrior ravona 
who is the like sometimes lover, sometimes enemy of Kang the Conqueror. Okay. So disguises guessing... herself as Space Pirate Nebula, okay. seduces Druid, takes over his brain, and gets him to take over the Avengers. So in let's make him even more a uh white boy of questionable ability and delusions of grandeur, he undermines the capable black woman leader of the Avengers, Captain Marvel, gets her kicked off of her leadership position, takes over, and then immediately gets the Avengers embroiled in a war between Ravona and Kang. Like it takes guy. him no time at all for this to go awful. <laughs> Looks at that vote through. Yeah, like she's out. All right, so we're joining a war. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> This ends with the Avengers getting sent back to, you know, the regular timeline and Druid getting sucked into the time stream with Ravona and disappearing. Good for him. Yeah. It's a romantic getaway. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. He comes back shortly afterwards and gets the worst 90s makeover I have possibly ever seen. Now, Druid's costume has never been wildly strong. He wears a red jumpsuit. He's got kind of a uh, upside down triangle pyramid shape with an eyeball in it. Okay. And sometimes like a blue cloak. For the hypnosis. And he's got bald, but that like, you know, uh, I, I can't, I'm trying to show what it is on a non-visual podcast. The horseshoe balding thing? Yes, the horse, like yeah. the bald spot. And he sometimes has a bit of a beard. It's not the world's strongest look. He's not like a leading man, but I don't actually mind it because it's different. Mm -hmm. Like he stands out still. But when he comes back in the time stream, he uh, comes back in a younger body and he now has a ponytail that sometimes like sticks straight up out of the back of his hair. It's like a top knot, but like laced up too much and like a longer beard. And instead of a blue cloak, he's got like that kind of 90s cape. I don't know if you've seen this. Tyler, you'll know what I'm talking about, where it sticks like straight up for a bit and then goes down. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like Spawn. Think of like yeah. Spawn. Okay, okay. Um, and suddenly he's got these like huge... As soon as you said 90s cape, I immediately thought Spawn. You, yeah, you knew what I... Like, <laughs> and he's got like these huge like blue gloves and boots. And for whatever reason, they've got like weird dots on them. Kind of like, oh, Doctor Strange has a costume that doesn't make any sense. Let's give him some of these. Cool, cool. But it looks like he's like, I'm going to be the next Doctor Strange. I'm just going to try too hard here. <laughs> I love it. Way too hard. <laughs> During this time, he decides to form a new group called the Shock Troop. They appear like twice, so there's not much to say about the Shock Troop. Where is he from? England. Okay. Although at this point, it's like the 90s, so he was probably around for like early 80s, like punk England scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So suddenly shock troop is like, actually that kind of works. <laughs> like, um, the shock troop, as I said, is largely uninteresting, except for the fact that it's got a character named the living mummy in it. That's... We're not going to go into just because you know, there's not much there. It's a cool and name. a woman named shadow woman who sort of becomes his number two person. Like interesting. Strange has, Wong and Clea to back him up. Sometimes. Druid has Shadow Woman. We will get to her in just a moment because she is much bigger part of when we next see him. He does like two teams ups as the shock troop and then he's like, I'm gonna, uh, how about I lead the secret defenders instead? Actually, that's inaccurate. Doctor Strange is like, I'm really tired of leading the secret defenders. Druid, you're up. And 
fucking curses him. So he will get like these prophetic visions of things he has to stop. Drew's like, hey, dude, I didn't ask for this. And he's like, I don't care. It's all yours. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun with this. Bye. <laughs> it's coming back in a week. And to his, like, understandably, Druid is not wildly crazy about this. Now, the point of the Secret Defenders is that Doctor Strange was pulling the first tarot card and he'd like pull different cards and it would tell him what heroes he needed for a single mission. So it'd be like Thor and Spider-Man and Wolverine for this mission or like Black Widow and the thing, you know, it's a fun concept. But the book sales were doing badly. So they're like, you know, it'd be great. What if we just made Dr. Druid the main character and gave him his own team? It it was not great. Um, I read this book just the other day because I was a little confused about what comes up next on this and I needed to try to explain it. I am more confused than I was before. So if this part doesn't make a whole lot of sense, that's because the book is really bad. Okay. I just want to get this out there. Strange, not strange, Druid ends up leading the Secret Defenders and he ends up with two people working with him. Shadow Woman and a undead dude named Cadaver. Cadaver is actually kind of cool. He's this kid that was murdered, and then the spirit of, like, the magic spirit that was guarding some MacGuffin power magic item inhabits him, and he is reborn, but he doesn't have the soul. Like, the soul of the kid moves on, but it's just this undead body with some unknown levels of magic power and the memories of this kid that died. Mm. Who can, like, yank out a rib and it transforms into the, the sword of bone. Like, there's nothing wildly to this character, but there's some potential to this character. I like it so far. That's pretty cool. Cadaver's great. Now we're going to talk about Shadow Woman, the other member of the Secret Defenders, because I have to talk about her to explain what comes up next. And it's not great. And, like, you know how Druid's been a d up to this point? Mm -hmm. Prepared to see Druid become a d now. Like, let's, let's up the stakes. So it turns out that Druid had gone back to uh, psychological teaching, to, to giving lectures on psychology and stuff. Okay. And magic. Magic and psychology. So arcane stuff. Yes. This college-age woman goes to one of his things and is like, that dude looks like, man, that dude's where it's at. I feel like, an, a, 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 like a pull to him, not just an attraction. So she goes and tracks him down. And he's like, this hot college girl is where it's at. And he's like, man, I feel like I've known you forever. And she's like, I feel the same way. And so he reads her mind and he realizes that they knew each other in a past life. Where she was like a royal or something. And he was an alchemist maiden. And they get, and she gets murdered. The alchemist maiden that will someday be reincarnated as druid gets murdered. This is in Arthurian times, because shouldn't be sleeping with a noble, or she's an alchemist. Or this part is very poorly described. Mm. And so Strange is like, man, we were lovers in a past life. I'm your teacher, eh, eh. And she goes for it. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I will say in this slight defense, this was a much more common storytelling motif in the like 90s and before. Yeah. It's still not good, but uh, it wasn't singularly bad. Yes. I mean, Strange dated and tutored Clea at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like this is. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. 
There's, there's power dynamics in comics that don't, don't always go over well. But it gets worse because she dies <laughs> really quickly. And, and Druid, not being able to handle this, finds this magic statue thing called the Bride of Sloryoth. Sloryoth is some big demon, dude. And he makes a deal that she that Sloryoth will bring back his lost love. But he brings her back as some kind of shadow woman. Hey, shadow woman. See? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where she now has unexplained magical shadow powers. And little known to her, isn't actually alive and will disappear into the Bride of Sloryoth statue when uh, Druid doesn't need her. She doesn't know about this. She just thinks, like, he'll summon her and she's like, hey, what's up? We've been talking for hours. And Druid just doesn't tell her. What a great he just guy. has her as, like, new sidekick hanging out in her statue uh, because he's awful. It's also revealed that the shock troop was working for him because he was hypnotizing them to work for him. Okay. And when he's running the secret defenders, instead of doing what Strange does, being like, hey, Spidey, you want to help out? There's stuff going on. He just hypnotizes people, being like, you're my buddy now. Help me. Little known fact to this, every time uh, Druid uses magic or does something unethical, so like, always, he is sacrificing a little bit of his soul to Sloryoth as part of the yeah. cost to Shadow Woman. He does this to the point that he ends up, like, summoning Sloryoth because he's just become, like, a minion of Sloryoth because, once again, he's had his mind taken over. Mm. He theoretically dies in the process. Sloryoth is summoned. Uh, Dr. Druid is thought to have died. A group of other people stop him. Mostly Shadow Woman, at this point known as Sepulchre, and Cadaver. Okay. Turns out he faked his death, though. Which makes this really confusing, because, like, does he have a soul now? Did he mean to summon Sloryoth? Was this part of Sloryoth never addressed again? Interesting. Sorry, Tom Brevor, I know you're one of the major editors of Marvel Comics these days. Secret Defenders was not your finest hour. If he would have been Doom, it would have been completely on purpose. Yeah. Unless uh, it went wrong, then it was a Doom bot. But it, it's argued that he's like, I didn't want to be a secret defender anymore, so I faked my death. And I'm like, does that get rid of the curse? Because you never dealt with the curse. The Doctor Strange cursed you with. He's just sleeping in bed and he wakes up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I forgot about this part. <laughs> now the people that helped me think I'm dead. <laughs> so he goes off, leaves his, like, sanctum in Boston. He's got his knockoff sanctum sanctorum in Boston. Of course he does. Yeah. Hypnotizes someone into giving him a building and starts being a landlord to wannabe sorcerers. This one of these wannabe sorcerers is trying to summon Satan, but he accidentally summons Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan. Close. During one of Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan's more, shall we say, evil periods. Cool. He is the son of Satan. Yes, he's very evil in this, too. Like, it's straight up a bad call on this dude's part. Druid tries to stop him. Like, no, you can't have this random wannabe Satanist. Satan kills the, uh, the son of Satan kills the guy anyways. And Druid decides that this world's just no good. So he's going to bring about the great Druidic death and rebirth of everything. Cool. Apocalypse. Because that's what you do, I guess. Right. My tenant died. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> so son of Satan's <laughs> like, God, I just do not like you. 
So he brings a villain back from the dead named, uh, her name was Necra. Brings her back as like a succubus. Gets her to seduce Druid, because again, Druid loves the ladies. I know. And then murders him, sets him on fire, and dumps his body in a dumpster. <laughs> this should be where the story of Druid ends. And as much as I kind of like Druid, it's like the perfect ending for a really crappy dude. That's amazing. But he comes back four times that I'm aware of. Maybe three. At one point, when the Grim Reaper, not like the Grim Reaper, but a villain known as the Grim Reaper, summons all of the Avengers who have died in the line of duty to create the Legion of the Unliving to battle the alive Avengers, Druid is brought back. He ends up helping save people when the spell that is controlling these undead Avengers is broken and they help defeat the Grim Reaper. Mm. He doesn't actually even do anything that interesting. He just happened to be there at the time. Uh, later on, an entity known as the Chaos King, who's kind of a god of the undead sort of thing, mm. in an event, in a Hercules event called Chaos Wars, which we'll talk more in the Hercules episode, brings back a bunch of undead people. Dr. Druid is one of them. He tries to, like, Stop the Chaos King, though, and him and all the other undead Avengers who were brought back again, because just it's Avengers don't stay dead. Not as bad as like the X-Men, but they do not stay dead. But they all die again at the end of the story. Cool. Later on, a place called Weird World gets a connection to the Marvel Universe. Okay. It is basically a weird magic dimension that there's a bridge to in the Bermuda Triangle. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We've got an episode coming up on it. That's awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> Druid's soul finds its way to Weird World. Like he does. As it does. Mm. But because the rules don't really apply there, he's able to come back. So he does, and he immediately starts taking people over telepathically and ruling Weird World with an iron fist. He gets confronted on the fact that he was the worst Avenger, and there's an ongoing joke that, like... When people are trying to pick up the worst, pick the worst Avenger, they're like, no, nah, it's Dr. Druid. <laughs> That's it. They're not wrong. <laughs> and even he admits, he's like, oh, I was bad at that. He's the ruler of Weird World for a while. And what happens there is never explained, because the next time we see him after this, he's working at a hospital that Stephen Strange has gotten a job at. Oh, And Strange is like, wait, what? Dude, you died. He's like, yeah, I know. How did you come back? He's like, I have no idea. So I don't know if, like... I never finished that little run either. That run was canceled after six issues. That story was never remotely finished. COVID happened is my main theory on why it was canceled. A bunch of books got messed up by COVID. Okay. But it was never revealed. We don't know if this was some plot by Druid and he's just pretending. We don't know if he just suddenly woke up out of Weird World one day. We don't know if he doesn't even remember Weird World. It's hard to say Weird World this many times. <laughs> it's true. It's just, we don't know. And we never will. We never will. We might. I kind of hope so. Like that. Somebody uh, might tell us. It wasn't a. It, it might not have been the original plan. But now it's the answer. But somebody will say something. Yeah. But who knows? That's Druid. You can see how on some level, like, he probably should have gotten his own episode because there's a bunch to him. But also. It's Dr. Druid. I don't want to make any of you read Dr. Druid. That's fair. Yeah, like, and the good stories, he's not a major character point in, so... Okay, this brings us to 
brother or doctor, depending on what era he is a doctor. Voodoo. He is also a doctor of psychology. Voodoo is actually pretty sweet, but he is woefully underused for most of his history. This is where I can actually step in a little bit, because I know a, l- a little bit on the uh, the origin of voodoo. Yeah, if you want to run the basics of it, go ahead. Uh, so when Roy Thomas was a little kid, made a kid, not even a little kid, eh, younger, before he was working in the industry. Anyway. I mean, he started at like 17, so he was probably like yeah. 14 at this. <laughs> like, uh, He created a character that was just a blatant knockoff of Doctor Strange, called Dr. Voodoo. Cool. That basically the big difference was, uh, whereas Strange goes to magic and then resorts to fists if he needs to, Dr. Voodoo would go fists first and then magic if he needed to. And then he just sort of left it alone. Years later, he's working for Marvel. Stan Lee's like, I got this character name, Brother Voodoo. (laughs) Sounds like a great name for a black character, right? And... At this point, they were starting to run thin a little bit because they already had Black Panther. They already had Luke Cage. um, Black Goliath, I think, predates Brother Voodoo. And so Roy Thomas was like, well, I kind of thought of a character kind of like that back in the day anyway. Let me me adapt it some. Take a crack at this. And so he adapted it, came up with uh, a lot of the stuff they needed to. Uh, Then it got ported over to Len, Len Wine? How do you say his last name? Ween? Wine? It's spelled W-E-I-N. He created Wolverine. He's very important. He's Um, extremely important, and I should know this because I actually interviewed a guy that worked directly with him, and I talked about him with... I talked about (laughs) Brother Voodoo with the guy, and now I'm just completely blanking what he said, but... He was the one that was brought in to help script the first Brother Voodoo stories. And as they were doing all the research to help flesh out this character and see what they were actually going to put on the page, they realized, oh, when you're actually researching Voodoo and, like, putting in the work, which they actually were. As much as white guys in the 70s were. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I love all of these characters. I'm going to be very honest about sometimes the weaknesses yes. of... And honestly, like, I've read some of those early Doctor or Brother Voodoo appearances. They're treated super respectfully for the time period. Like, I don't, there's not much wrong other than the things they purposely changed to fit the Marvel world. Got it. I have never read those. I've always kind of wanted to. All the cards on the table. We were debating as recently as yesterday whether Brother Voodoo should have his own episode. Mm -hmm. But most of Brother Voodoo's appearances... Or he teamed up with somebody else. Mm. So we decided to kind of just lump him in here. That's not disrespect towards Voodoo. It's just that it's only within the last couple of years since he started really getting the credit the characters do. Right. Um, anyway, as they were uh, researching Voodoo and trying to make him uh, respect as they were trying to respect it more than uh, I think most would at that time period, to be completely honest, they sort of realized that when you strip away all the misconceptions and like uh, superstitious uh, imagery from uh, imperialism about voodoo, it's kind of boring <laughs> and is kind of how do, it's kind of a I don't know, like a 
working class religion. It's very practical and just a lot of uh, little superstitious type things that you just throw into your day to sort of help your day along. Interesting. Yes. We should say, when we say boring, it's actually super interesting. Oh, it's I just not necessarily do. like action movie interesting. I have done a lot of reading on voodoo. I would, I'm by no means an expert, but I do super, like I'm super interested in it. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's kind of boring too. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not what you think it is based off of Hollywood and off of media, I guess is the boring part. Mm hmm. So they're like, well, well, that doesn't make a very interesting superhero now, does it? <laughs> um, so they gave him a couple things that have really nothing to do with voodoo, just so that he would have a unique power set, like he's immune to fire. Mm. Useful skill. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was. <laughs> uh, but along with that, while they were doing the research, they did find out that uh, within voodoo, there is a special significance given to twins. Uh, a lot of the Loa are twins. Uh, some of the Vodou, I believe, are also twins. Um, if it ties in really deeply, so the so, so the thought then became, well, what if there were brothers Voodoo, and that's where the the character finally ended up taking shape. Brother Voodoo, Jericho Drum had a brother, Daniel Drum, who was his twin, and Daniel Drum became Brother Voodoo, while Jericho went to the States and became a, a psychologist. His brother was uh, attacked and mortally wounded by a false god who had popped up on the island. And... <laughs> That's intense! The serpent, uh, the false god was disguised as the serpent god Dumbala, okay. but was actually the god Set. Oh. Who I religion. think in some regions is actually known as Dumbala. And I think that's where they actually did a crazy crossover. That's beyond my experience level, but Set is kind of the, like, we need a bad guy god that's not Loki. Marvel likes to go to Set. That's fair. And so... You know, with with Daniel's dying wish, he's like, you've got to you've got to go find the, the guy who taught taught me Papa Jumbo. That's an yes. Name. Papa Jumbo. Amazing name. Dude, the names are the best part of some of these things that we're going to come up That's with. So cool. He's like, you got to go find Papa Jumbo and like avenge me and like, don't let this guy be a false god, basically. And <laughs> Jericho's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go punch him out. And. <laughs> Uh, the face, the false Dumbala beats him to within an inch of his life. So Jericho's like, okay, maybe I'm going to go learn voodoo <laughs> On then. On second thought. <laughs> uh, he goes and be, learns voodoo and a bunch of, you know, basic magic and stuff. And including what ends up happening is he, he does a spell that most magicians, at least at the time that this was being written, wouldn't be able to pull off. Uh, it's supposed to be that two souls can't inhabit the same body mm -hmm. unless they're twins. I think that's probably been broken a bunch past this point. But, you know, back when he was first being written, his special thing was he bound his brother's soul to him so he could call upon his brother who would help instruct him because he was a voodoo master before Jericho ever was. 
Uh, he can go possess other people, or he can double up in Jericho's body and basically give him super strength. And then punch that guy out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want me to take over at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, I should also just point out that uh, doing research into Brother Voodoo is when I found out that there is uh, what seems to be a subset of the Sorcerer Supreme. Jericho Drum is the Hongan Supreme. Uh, Hongan is a voodoo priest, essentially, with uh, the opposite side being a bokor, which would be like a, a voodoo warlock slash evil sorcerer. Okay. And so he was Hongan Supreme for a long time, eventually does become Sorcerer Supreme for a little bit, too, and holds both titles, which apparently actually is kind of tough to do. From... Um... I mean, from his earliest appearances, he is one of the few magicians that can kind of stand up to uh, to Strange. When dealing with general magic, Strange is who you want to talk to. Mm. When dealing with the undead of any way, shape, or form, Voodoo's probably your boy. So Voodoo goes on, does this, avenges his brother, possibly promises his brother that he's going to try and bring him to life. That becomes a bigger thing in later stories, but I don't know if it's a big one in some of the earlier stories. Doesn't that break laws? Probably. Probably. Cool. Look, man, magic's got a price, but they break a lot of laws Ooh. in these. I do want to point out, Brother Voodoo is a legacy title. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, the first Brother Voodoo uh, was uh, ties into uh, Cthon. Of course it does. <laughs> and uh, Captain Tiger. Wow. You know that one. Uh, Captain Tiger had two... Uh, they weren't... They worked for him, but they were free men. There was oh, no. black twins that worked for him. One... This was probably super racist. The story wasn't bad. Oh, and okay. The story wasn't bad. Um, and actually laid out a lot of the way that the 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 voodoo and stuff work into the Marvel universe and such. Basically, Captain Tiger was trying to take out this pirate slaver who ended up kidnapping one of the, the twins. He sacrificed him to Sagabata, who is the Loa who would be later known as Baron Samedi or Baron Saturday. Sabata, uh, Sagbata goes to Cthon and to gets a spell from Cthon to turn the first zombie. Okay. The Loire are like, well, we can't, we can't do anything directly to combat this, especially if they got the spell. They didn't know for sure, but they're like, if Sagbada got this spell from Cthon, Cthon is more powerful than us. Mm. Uh, so we're not going to act directly against this, but what we can do is help the humans to be able to combat this. Mm. So the uh, Pop, uh, Papa Legba, who leads the, the Loire, uh, the, by the way, the, the Vodou are like the, the, the voodoo gods, and then the Loire are like the elemental spirits. Got and it. even like human spirits can be Loire. They're powerful enough. Because I, I believe they consider uh, Daniel Drum in his sp spirit form to be a Loire. So Papa Legba is like the leader of the Loire and is 
kind of almost on the same level as like the Voodoo themselves. He's kind of like the in-between. And he's like, all right, we're going to get our power together and we're going to give, we're going to make our first uh, human Lord of the law. And that was the other brother who was turned into the first brother Voodoo to combat the first zombie who was his twin. Interesting. There's a whole lot right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But this brother Voodoo, Jericho Mm -hmm. Drum and his brother Daniel, we're going to go... A little fast here, but as I said, most of these appearances like he teamed up with Spider-Man and beat up. What was that name? That name was amazing. Moondog the Malicious. Wow. Who only appeared three times in the history of Marvel Comics because beyond Moondog the Malicious being an amazing name, there is nothing interesting about that character. He helps Frank Drake, who is a major character in the Tomb of Dracula series, battle Dracula. He later helps Blade battle Dracula. He takes on a fake Dracula at one point. There's lots of, again, you want to deal with the undead? This is your guy to talk to. Or kill Dracula. Or kill Dracula. (laughs) Uh, He helped the werewolf by night, who we'll deal with again later, uh, battle Dr. Glitter Knight. What are these I was waiting for you to say that. Which is the most perfect name of a supervillain of all time. I will take no arguments. Whoa, (laughs) what is that name? Wait, wait, let's make this even better. He helped Jack Russell... The Known werewolf as by night. Werewolf by Night. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into Russell. I'm excited about that one. They battled hordes of zombies together. He helped the Thing fight a voodoo priest. Moon Knight helped him when uh, someone took over Daniel's soul and they kind of created a... I have that wrong. Voodoo eventually succumbs to uh, the, the lure of power. And uh, puts on a mystical thingy. I'm sorry. There are so many mystical thingies in the Marvel Universe that at some point they just become MacGuffin item number seven. Got it. Uh, When this happens, he goes evil and he travels to New York to attempt to take over the mind and body of Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange slaps him upside the head a couple of times. They get out of it. They become allies. Moon Knight goes to Haiti where he teams up with Brother Voodoo and they take on a zombie army. I'm sorry, I was trying to make that, I was trying to be like, there's a zombie army in New York, but no. Different things. Got it. Though next there is a zombie army in New York <laughs> that he does summon. This is a great part. I'm doing a good job. No, I'm doing terrible. <clears throat> um, Marie Laval, the uh, voodoo maiden of New Orleans, and I think Marie Laval is a real. Was that a real person? Yeah, Mary Laveau. Mary Laveau, thank you. This is the Marvel version, very much not a real version. Mm-hmm. Uses the vampiric verses to summon a uh, vampire army to attack New York. Brother Voodoo helps out by raising a zombie army to fight the vampire army to help nice. out Doctor Strange. Which sounds kind of awesome, to be honest <laughs> with you. I've never found this comic, but I want to. Now. Sounds amazing. Uh, Doctor Strange, Clea, Rintra, who was his kind of alien apprentice that we talked about a while back, and Morbius the Living Vampire all also help out. Although they were able to defeat the vampires, the zombies had to be beaten next. So they're like, all right, we beat the vampires. Now what do we do about the zombies? Ah, crap. (laughs) Dang it. Tiring of becoming a superhero for a while, he uh, semi-retires and writes a book called Do You Voodoo? I Do. And starts traveling for a while. And this part I feel is racist, but I'm like, 
am too white to say for sure. What do you got? He hires an actress to play Sister Voodoo and uh, as a fake superhero partner alongside her son, Voodoo Child. Oh, I knew about Voodoo Child. That sounds weird. That sounds like... I haven't read the story. I don't know. It's one of those things that when I say it out loud, I'm like, is this racist? Look, Sister Voodoo, I'm down with. Voodoo Child sounds... That's a stretch. The fact that I would bet money that it was written by a white guy is what I think makes me uncomfortable here. Also, is that book title a song in a Scooby-Doo episode? (laughs) Voodoo, voodoo, I do too. Voodoo. After this, he goes back to teaming up with people. He teams up with the various ghost riders. He teams up with Daredevil. He works with the heroes for hire. He does work with Blade again. He uh, has a pretty fun team up with Gambit. By this point, he is pretty openly like, I am the hero of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Stop messing with me. And I actually really liked with him and Gambit because they both really loved New Orleans but didn't quite get along themselves because, you know, Brother Voodoo's a good dude and Gambit's kind of a douchey thief. Mm-hmm. With cards. The blow up, yeah. yeah. Like, it's he's like, God, Gambit, like, okay, please stop. But mm. we should point out during this, uh, Voodoo also loves the ladies. Voodoo very much loves the ladies. Which doctor doesn't? Good question. Doom, most, Doom. Doom mostly seems to love uh, Sue Richards. He like and skin suits tricks and her into being his wife like five different times. What? Oh, he's have control. five divorce. He <laughs> is absolutely obsessed with being uh, Reed Richards. Uh-huh. Like he's like, I want to beat him, but I also sort of want to be him. Maybe they should just get married. But I also want to be Doom. Doom. <laughs> but voodoo. He does become pretty major allies with the Black Panther. Okay. Uh, And this is, I think, where writers of color are starting to use voodoo a lot more. And suddenly he's a lot less of a... Calling him a joke before is disrespectful to his earlier, but, like, his stories become a lot better, I notice, at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, He helps out actually fighting Doctor Doom in what is called the Doom War, where Doom attacks Wakanda. Okay. And the X-Men and Brother Voodoo help out Black Panther. Why is Doom attacking Wakanda? Because he's a racist dick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> oh, he want, the real answer is he wanted the vibranium, but mostly because he was a racist dick. He wanted a new, he wanted a new mask. As Which well. order did it go in? Did it go Doom, then Namor? Or Namor than Doom, because Wakanda took two... Doom than Namor. Okay, because Wakanda took two major assaults, one right after the other. Yes. Uh, during After the Civil War, when heroes have to register or become rogue, mm. Voodoo does register and is like, leave me alone, I'll take care of New, York, New Orleans. But he's brought to New York because Iron Man is certain that heroes are hiding out in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Doctor Strange's house. Okay. Uh, which is, it looks like a wreck. Yeah. And they absolutely are. <laughs> and he casts this spell to try to be like, I'm going to prove that people are there. Because, you know, Iron Man asked me to, and technically I have to, because I registered. And he's like, I don't see anything. And Iron Man goes, are you sure? And he goes, I am not. And like, what? And he's like, look, man, that's Doctor Strange's house. There's a reason we call him the Sorcerer Supreme. Like, I'm good. But he's Doctor Strange. (laughs) 
And I've never been entirely sure if he's like actually trying real hard or if he's just like, yep, sure, whatever. Okay, don't see anything. Have fun. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> and I think I prefer the second one, to be honest with you. He's like, come on, Iron Man. Like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Yes, like I'm not fighting. I'm not actively lying to you, but I'm not trying as hard as I could either. Here's your spell. <laughs> Have fun. Shortly afterwards, Doctor Strange loses the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Okay. Voodoo ends up with it. He becomes, at this point, Dr. Voodoo instead of Brother Voodoo. Nice. The new Avenger Sorcerer of the Supreme. Supernatural. Yes. Uh, most of this run is him being not wildly unqualified, but a little overwhelmed. Definitely overwhelmed. Because he is a master of Voodoo. But the Sorcerer Supreme has to deal with so much more than just Voodoo. So I, I write when you guys were showing up and we, as we were getting ready for this, I finished reading uh, the first five comics and the is there was a second Doctor Voodoo bit after that, wasn't there? I'm not sure because that one I think is only five issues long. It didn't last very long. Right. Neither did the Strange series that came out at that time. And I would very much characterize it as he's you know outclassed most of that run. It's still interesting, but it seems like part of the issue, and I wish they would have went into it more, is uh, Hungan Supreme also seems to be a job that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And whenever he goes off to do Sorcerer Supreme things, that means bad voodoo creatures get in. Yeah. And then he has to rush back to New Orleans and take care of those and then rush back out. And like when the comic opens, he basically hasn't slept for days. Because he's busy doing both things. He's actually a pretty capable Sorcerer Supreme. He was just dropped in the middle of it during a really rough time. Mm. Um, Damien Hellstrom, Son of Satan, makes fun of him a lot. Just wildly disapproving of him. Mm. It is not Damien Hellstrom, Son of Satan's best look. We'll get that out there right now. And then in the end, Agamotto, you know, Eye of Agamotto, the first Sorcerer Supreme, decides that he needs to... Uh, take steps because the last Sorcerer Supreme who was fully qualified and trained for years and all of these things was kind of corrupt, Dr. Strange, because he had you know lost all his powers to dark magic. And this new one in Agamotto's opinion was unqualified. Mm. Mostly because he was too busy, as you were saying, trying to do Hungan Supreme stuff at the same time. So Agamotto comes in, tries to basically destroy the world because that's his answer. I don't know. It was a bad call by Agamotto. Mm. Brother Voodoo, the Dr. Voodoo, apologies, stops him, but dies in the process. His ghost brother, Daniel, swears vengeance and disappears. Okay. He later reappears, possessing the Avengers and using them to try and kill Dr. Strange. Strange stops Daniel and regains the title of Sorcerer Supreme by proving himself worthy in stopping Daniel. Bendis, who had been writing for a while, Brian Michael Bendis had been writing Avengers and had been using this as kind of a subplot for years. And as he was leaving the book, he's like, man, I really need to wrap up this Sorcerer Supreme thread that I kind of forgot about for a few years there. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Doc Strange and Sorcerer Supreme again. Let's do this. During an event called Axis, where the villains became good guys and the heroes became bad guys because the Scarlet Witch messed up a spell, Doctor Doom who is now actually a good dude is like, man, we can't let this go. Like that's, 
we got to fix this. So one of the things he does is he finds a way to revive Brother Voodoo so he can possess the Scarlet Witch to force her to reverse the spell that she accidentally did that turned, you know, bad guys good. Or, yes, bad guys good, good guys bad. Mm -hmm. Which, with the end result of Dr. Voodoo being alive again. Voodoo ends up joining the adventures and starts dating the Scarlet Witch, which is a very strange meet-cute, if we think about it at all. Um, but meanwhile, his brother Daniel, who is now apparently just a bad guy, grows tired of waiting for Brother Voodoo to come back to life and makes a deal, ghost deal, with the Hand, the evil ninja cult from the Daredevil stories. Mm. And he helps them revive the Hulk as a zombie to work for the Hand. Oh, no. Because the Hulk was dead for a while there. It's a bad idea. Uh, Brother Voodoo, Dr. Voodoo, Jericho, not Daniel Jericho, uh ends up banishing the ghost of the Hulk. The Hulk does come back to life there, though. But that's the Immortal Hulk, which is a super wild story. But not important to this. These days, Voodoo is, I believe, still dating the Scarlet Witch and is serving as the headmaster of Strange Academy, which is what if Mar the Marvel Universe had Hogwarts? Great book. Great book. I'm loving it so much. <laughs> okay. And he's like... We're co-headmasters, Stephen. I know it is Strange Academy, but I'm the one who's actually doing stuff, so you have to pay attention to me. He's got full black suit with like a kind of fur thing. It, nice. it looks in a, in a yeah. cane. He looks <sighs> sharp. That's amazing. Oh, it's good. Okay, so I've been talking for way longer than I should be here. So we are going to go through this last guy pretty fast because it, the, the book that we read for this one involves young Master Kaplan. Billy Kaplan, a.k.a. Wiccan, is actually easily my favorite characters of these because he's the one with the most staying power and is part of one of my favorite books. Wiccan is confusing because he both is and is not the son of the Scarlet Witch. Billy Kaplan is mostly known from the Young Avengers series. He uh, grows up as both gay and a superhero fanboy, so he gets teased a lot in high school. High school's not a great time for him, particularly because this he was created around 2003, where, I mean, from what I understand, it's not great to be a gay kid in high school now. 20 years ago, it was worse. Pretty bad. He's, you know, moping by Avengers Mansion, because if you're going to be a superhero fanboy, why would you not hang out around Avengers Mansion? Where he meets the Scarlet Witch, who encourages him and teaches him some basic self-defense. Shortly after this, he finds out that he has powers. He's like, I'm going to go talk to the Scarlet Witch. I met Wanda once. She'll help me out. Turns out that in between these times, Avengers Mansion blows up because the Scarlet Witch went insane. We'll cover this on the Scarlet Witch episode. Oh, my. Yes. Things happen. Bad day. I mean, it's literally called the Avengers Worst Day. Um, <laughs> the Avengers No Good Rotten Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A character named Iron Lad who is a teen version of Kang the Conqueror, who Kang goes, man, I'm tired of getting beaten up all the time. I'm going to go back to the past, meet teen version of him, of myself, and teach him to be a better conqueror than me, even. Kang really likes to, like, cross over in his own time stream. He at one point went to war with various alternate versions of Kang that he accidentally made because he kept messing with his time stream. Cool. So this goes unsurprisingly terrible. And the teen version's like, I don't want to be a fucking, like, time fascist. 
So he steals Kang's armor, shapes it to look like Iron Man's armor, calls himself Iron Lad, and goes back to the past to get the help of the Avengers. But he shows up in the era of the Avengers' worst day, and there are no Avengers. So he activates what is called the Avengers Failsafe Program, where there is potential future Avengers, and he gathers them together. He gathers together Billy. He gathers together Teddy Altman, who goes by the name of Hulkling, who is going to be used a lot in this, and a kid named Patriot, who is the son of someone who had Captain America powers. Grandson of someone who had Captain America powers. They form the Young Avengers. Billy originally goes by Asgardian and is trying to look like he has lightning powers because he's fanboying about Thor. Mm. After his first adventure, which involves crazy time travel shenanigans that I am not even going to try to explain because it's, whoops, I killed future me and past me and like just more Kang having fun with creating alternate timelines. They decide that maybe they shouldn't just be fanboys. They can still be young Avengers, but they can become their own thing. So he becomes the Wiccan, which also isn't a great name because he's not a Wiccan. But it's better than Asgardian, where he's super non-Asgardian. Sometime along this, he ends, starts dating Hulkling. And throughout this entire run, him and Hulkling are a couple mm. throughout the entire thing. Um, I believe it is the first time we see a gay kiss in the Avengers, possibly the first time we see two gay superheroes kissing in all of Marvel comics. Yes, it was it was mentioned in the after when the fan writes to the author like, yeah. hey, like, nice job on that. They mentioned that that was like this the is the biggest thing. This is big. These two are the most prominent gay characters that Marvel's had, and they don't kill them off almost immediately or give them AIDS. The <laughs> 90s were not kind to gay characters. <laughs> It's true. Kill your gaze is a thing, and it shouldn't be as much as it is. These two dodged that. Really, if we're going to talk about why they're important, it's because they haven't died. They go through various adventures. They stop, stop Doctor Doom from taking over the Scarlet Witch's powers. They meet uh, Billy's brother, Tommy, who has speed powers, and they realize that him and Tommy, who he did not know was his brother are somehow the reincarnations of the Scarlet Witch's children. The Scarlet Witch, and again, we'll go into this with Scarlet Witch, the Scarlet Witch really wanted kids mm. with the vision. Mm. But that doesn't work for the obvious reasons of him a robot. Mm. So using chaos magic, she creates children. That's subconsciously. Well. Yeah. It is really confusing in some versions. They're actual souls. In other versions, they are just made up uh in other versions they're part of someone else's soul right i think they've generally moved forward with them being parts of mephisto's power in some version parts of mephisto in some versions master pandemonium and how he's the reincarnation doesn't quite of these souls doesn't quite make sense i guess it traveled these souls traveled back in time i don't know maybe souls and time don't interact right but it seems like whatever part of Mephisto's power, whatever, attaches itself to Billy's soul. So he has parents. We meet his parents. But the Scarlet Witch is also sort of his parents. Confusing? Yes. Even more so for Billy and Tommy. Cool. But in the process of bringing the Scarlet Witch back from her insanity and from Doctor Doom trying to steal her power and all these various bad things, about half the young Avengers die. 
a young version of the Vision dies, Stature, the daughter of Ant-Man, dies, Iron Lad goes full Kang the Conqueror and evil and disappears off into the time stream. Billy decides to retire from being a superhero, even though the Avengers decide that they are going to make them full Avengers. Retroactively, the young Avengers are now Avengers teams. You know, cool. they're recognized by Captain America. Teddy, whose mom also died in all of this, and he finds out that he is the son of Captain Marvel, like the original Captain Marvel, the Kree warrior Marvel, and some cool scroll princess decides that he still wants to be a superhero. He also really misses his fake mom, who died in the process of all of this. Like, the person who was hiding him away on Earth. Billy decides that he is going to look through the timelines and bring his mother back, to, and bring uh, Teddy's mother back to life. It goes really badly, and he brings the mother dimensional, the, the mother parasite, a multidimensional being that feeds on magic to Earth instead. Oops. Him... <laughs> Billy and a new team of young Avengers that includes Loki. Well, I'm going to go real fast through this because we're about to talk about it in our thing. Have mad adventures. We find out that Billy will one day become what is known as the Demiurge, who will define magic. It's not quite clear if he's the original Demiurge who created all life on all life or if he's like the next Demiurge. But it does also matter because he also redefines the past with his being. Yes. So uh, he might be both. He is both. After this, him and uh, Teddy, Hulkling, I'm just going to call him Hulkling, join the new Avengers where he is possessed by an ancient space wizard from a couple of previous cosmoses ago. You know, like Big Bang, Big Crunch, Big Bang, Big Crunch, uh, named Moradon, who he basically defeats through the power of anxiety. Because Moradon's trying to take him over and be like, you are nothing and useless. And he's like, look, dude, I've got anxiety. You you don't have to tell me this, man. Like, I know how to combat this. <laughs> I go to a therapist for this. You're not as good at this as you think you are. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> During this, we also find out that Teddy Hulkling is the king of space. That he is the, like, heir to both the Skrull and Kree empires. And those two have been at war for generations. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the most recent big crossover, Hulkling becomes the king of space. You combining these two for the first time, creating the most powerful empire in the galaxy, marries Tet or marries Wiccan, and Wiccan is now serving as the court sorcerer for the space. what's called just the Alliance. Yes, for the king of space. And these two are, it hasn't come out, out yet at the time this is, uh, we're recording this, will be joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. That's intense. I love Billy. All right. After that, very scattered. Let's take a quick break and we will come back to talk actually just about Billy more. So part of the reason I was so scattered on our Billy conversation there was just because we were just about to talk about him right here in one of the bigger events that goes on in his storyline. Uh, the book we read this week was Young Avengers by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. It is Young Avengers, I believe, volume two. I couldn't uh, tell you. Uh, it came out around 2013. If you're reading on the Marvel Limited app, it's pretty easy to find. It is approximately 18 issues long. And as... A sucker for teen team books. Honestly, this might be my favorite of them. 
which is the main reason I picked this. Like, oh, I needed something with one of these characters, but also I just need more people to read Young Avengers. It is easily my favorite of the books that I have picked for us to read yet. Mm. But yeah, but that's me. I'm not being like, you have to love this. Um, Yeah, I'll agree with that. It was really good. Um, Also, I had been meaning to get around reading like anything with America Chavez for a while so that I was finally able to cross that off the list. Also, because I had never read anything. She'd only appeared once before this comic in her first appearance in a miniseries called Vengeance, where honestly, she is not that interesting. She's just a random super-powered Latina lady, and you're like, what's her deal? And they're like, well, we're not going to talk about it. Well, I love her in this. Yes, she's amazing. Amazing. When I first... Even though most of the time she's just kicking things, Literally. I'm still okay with it. Who cares? I can kick through She's reality. the character that, yeah, she's the character that says, I can kick through reality, and it turns out she's not kidding. Not even a little bit. She just <laughs> kicks holes through the multiverse. <laughs> so amazing. She's one of the only people that the trickster god Loki is legitimately a little scared of. Because she knows already what he's doing. Mm-hmm. She's from the future past. <laughs> she's from a paradise dimension of superheroes. Yes. And broke out because her two lesbian moms had just died saving the multiverse. And she didn't want to have to live without them and wanted to be a proper superhero. And you can't really do that in paradise. And then met her God, who was just a teen like her, which was like mind blowing for her. This book's a lot, guys. Yeah. It also brings in characters like Marvel Boy, who had existed a few other times, but they had never done anything that cool with Marvel Boy before. It was really weird. Reading this run after I had just gotten done reading Agents of Atlas. With a completely different with, Marvel boy. But as soon as they brought up the... Uh, the Creed bands. Mm-hmm. That they I was have, like, yeah. oh, shit, Marvel boy. <laughs> Very different one. Uh, there has been multiple Marvel boy characters throughout the years. Mm. Uh, Grant Morrison created this one, and he was trying to base it off of music, and the book is bad. I'm sorry, Grant. I do not like the Marvel Boy miniseries. I've tried multiple times. And when I heard they were bringing Marvel Boy into this, I was like, are you sure? No attempt to use Marvel Boy has ever really worked before. And he admits that in his early appearances, that anything else he'd tried before, it didn't really click. Mm. And then, man, they clicked here because they've used basically this version of Marvel Boy in any appearance of the character ever since. Also, I'm going to say... Because this book came out in 2013, and things haven't changed that much in the last eight years. But also having a teen superhero, and I mean, she's like 18, but still a teen superhero, wake up having done basically a one-night stand and then not shaming her for it. And even having the bit of like, part of me feels like I should be ashamed, but that's dumb, is just groundbreaking sex positivity. That was actually a really good set of pages too like just down to earth it was like feel good like they're just hanging out listening to music i was like that's cute that's really cute uh gillen and mckelvey are really good at using music in a non-audio medium which Mm -hmm. is a weird thing to say but like music is a major part of most of the stories they tell together and you can like it, it has the flow of music i don't know if that makes any sense when i say it out loud but like when i'm reading it this i'm like this flows like music does. It's really cool. 
Um, I'll admit when I've I, when I've been reading these stories for the podcast, I read the, with them in mind of like, okay, how can I extract some questions to bring to this? To, you know, make it the the educating side. This was just a fun story. Like there was no big magic things. I mean, there was big magic things because it involves Billy being the f- demiurge. But and Loki being weird kid trickster god, mm-hmm. and it's all about magic and power. But for it's the most not. part, yeah, the, it's not laying down any kind of new rules other than explaining the demiurge for the most part. Even that, really it kind of cool halfway does. I love the mother parasite. It's such an amazing idea. So cool. The mother parasite being this kind of magical entity that eats ideas. Her realm is a comic book. And like she can just like, I want that one. And then she'll eat it. And then like the whole meta thing where she like the guy who's telling you about her, she like eats him through the words. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, let, <clears throat> you know, in, in the late some like between like 2005 and 2015, being meta in comic books was super in vogue. And this was the one that kind of like, let's do that and have fun with it and own it. And also somehow call it out a little bit. Mm. Also going through the dark, bad meta dimensions is all the like stupid grimdark ideas that happen in comic books mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and but written from a point where they kind of love those while also being like those are one issue storylines there's no future in some of these like over the top darkness like those so are- two questions about yes. that actually you reminded i completely forgot about the mayfly dimensions yeah. i love the mayfly have had they used the mayfly dimensions prior to this i've never heard that term before but i mean there's a whole lot of like what if dark stuff or i feel like it's kind of a comment on the dark knight returns the like grim dark future batman or uh you know hawkeye is old and blind and like the apocalypse happened kind of stories there's two of those and um, uh when in our real life timeline does this line up with uh the distinguished competition releasing death metal and the dark multiverse. This came first. Okay. By quite a bit. This book came out in 2013. Okay. Metal first appeared, I think 2018, 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, death metal being or not death up. metal, but metal. Yeah. yeah death yeah. metal finishing up in 2020. Some crossovers the DC did. Um, because the Mayfly dimensions are just the dark multiverse. Yes, kind of these dark things. This book, Gillen described it as he wanted to write a book that felt like 2013. And man, as someone who lived through 2013, he did a pretty good job of like what it means to be early 20s, late teens in that era. I do, you mentioned it briefly, I do want to talk about how the way they portrayed magic and kind of omnipotence is through breaking the comic book format. Like, Mm. you know, they're trapped in a prison and that prison is just a normal panel. Mm. And when they break out of that prison, they're like literally crawling out of the comic book panel. And you and I are both doing like crawling motions and they cannot see this. (laughs) Um, I think visually This is one of my favorite ways of portraying the magic kind of dimensions. If you don't want to go the Steve Ditko route, I think this is a really great way of doing it. Because another popular thing that Gillen was doing a lot, because he did a Loki series about Kid Loki just before this, is the idea that magic is stories. Hmm. And so 
challenging the format of the stories was a really good way of making that work. You pointed out one of his lesser works just not that long ago, but both Mother and the crawling out of the normal comic space in a complimentary form reminded me of Morrison. Yeah, Morrison's great. Grant Morrison, I don't think we're reading anything this season, but if we do a DC season on like literally anything, a Morrison chapter is going to pop up. He does all of it. Mm -hmm. um, his work on Marvel was never as strong. And to his credit, Morrison is very willing to admit he's like, I can do some great DC. I can great do some great personal. I have never written a Marvel book that turned out how I wanted it to. Well, they just did for him. Yeah. Basically, Gillen is in a lot of ways, Kieran Gillen is kind of the next generation's Morrison with some of his less problematic writing tropes not in there. He's not nearly as wordy as Morrison, but that same mm -hmm. kind of like. But more emotional, more emotional and those concepts of magic and making his characters a little more likable. I think uh, Gillen does better than Morrison. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any. Questions about this? I have a few. Yes, please. <clears throat> we'll start with Loki. So that's not the original child Loki in this universe. The adult Loki killed this child Loki. And at some point, this adult Loki says, I'm not even the original adult Loki. I'm a clone of him that was made to trap this kid and kill him so Loki could keep surviving. And that whole thing. I was just... Yes. We basically end up with three different versions of Loki. Cool. Because Loki is a story. The gods are stories. The gods are the belief of people given form in the Marvel Universe more than anything else. And we'll dive into this a lot more in like the Loki Thor gods episodes. But Loki dies. Full on evil Loki dies. Thor misses his brother because Thor is a big old softy <laughs> and brings Loki back to life. But Loki comes back as a little kid who isn't sure of who he's supposed to be. He's Loki, but is he the Loki that was? Mm. And he ends up with a, uh, a a bird that follows him around named Ekol, who has the memories of the previous Loki. Mm. And Ekol's like, I'm going to betray you, and this is going to go really badly for you. <laughs> but Just he keeps using him, him yeah. because... You know, he needs him. And because Loki is really good at lying, even when he's telling the truth, mm. he ends up with the mistress of hell's handmaiden, Leia, who we meet briefly in this. Who's trapped and also present. Yes. Who hates him, but also like is his almost romantic interest. It's a really interesting book. And he also ends up with a hellhound named Thori who wants to eat and murder and kill all the time, but is really sweet and cute. Thori is awesome. <laughs> Thori is great. Uh, we will probably read this run when we do a Loki episode, because yeah. it's the best run that Loki has ever had. Mm. It's a long run, but it's real good. At the end of this run, after Loki has proven himself as this young hero, he's still a manipulative little He's still the god of like, mischief. mischief, but he's no longer the god of evil. Mm. But Ekol, who is, as I said, a copy of everything old Loki was, forces him to, to sacrifice his own mind and Ekol will take over. Before he goes, young Loki sends Leia away 
to save her because old Loki would probably just kill her. Mm. But she does end up trapped at the beginning of time. So, yep. like, not a great time for Leia. Nope. But Ekel realizes, basically, that he has killed a young, innocent, legitimate hero. And he has little bits of kid Loki. And so Ekel, or at this point now kind of called Teen Loki, and then later just Loki... He isn't young kid Loki who has proved himself a hero, but he's not really old Loki either. He's kind of some mix of the two. Mm. Is he going to be a good guy or a bad guy? No one really knows, including Loki at any given moment. Mm. Um, And this Loki largely exists because Tom Hiddleston is really hot and people really liked him. Yes, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he also is infinitely more interesting than Loki had become, where Loki was just, I'm a bad guy. Damn you, Loki, you tricked me again. How, Thor? How did he trick you again? Which hand is it in? Oh, it's neither. Oh, <laughs> oh what a shocker. Loki's evil. So, the way Loki to me was kind of like, if Baron Mordo was successful with the Ancient One more often, but the Ancient One is able to shrug off most of the anyway <laughs> that's a good point it's like that actually worked oh uh, whatever yeah but it it had become a very similar thing of like it was it had almost just become parody of itself anymore like no one trusted loki for very obvious reasons but by becoming more than just like a cackling villain he's suddenly much more interesting has more depth mm-hmm. interesting you said you had more questions though. yes um they also mentioned that Mother has been around a while, and Leia seems to know where she has been the entire time. They make a deal. Like, how is like is she in other comics, or is that just something that's only in as the far as I'm aware? This is the only appearance of Mother in comics. Mm-hmm. I think that was just Kieran Gillen setting up. I mean, sometimes it's just the world happens beyond the like window that we see in a comic book, mm-hmm. and then like. When she's what written out of existence by the Wiccan, that why okay why did he have stars when he was walking? I thought that was only um, I forgot her name. America, Miss America Chavez. Yeah, I thought that was her thing. Why did he have the stars when he's walking around up there? Well, it's implied that he created the universe that she comes from. Oh, okay. So it could be that the star is kind of representative of some it's of the power him, of the Demiurge. But she just uses it. Because mm-hmm. he never goes, even when he goes full Demiurge, he never quite goes full Demiurge. He just has, like, moments of everything he could be. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey just really like using stars. They pop up a lot in the comics they make together. So it's pretty cool looking. And then who is that mutant that before his gene burnt out where whenever he prodigy, there we go. Prodigy. I do not know how to pronounce his last name. It's like his name is like David Allian or something. It's like a L L E Y E N E or something like that. Like it's, I, I do not know how to pronounce that. He was, one of the most recent new generations of mutants, because ever since they created the new mutants in the 80s, every five to ten years, it becomes time to create the next generation of mutants. Okay. And they've just had to, like, stop talking about the fact that, you know, Cannonball and the new mutants are only, like, 20, and these new ones are, like, 16, but also one's been around forever, and the others have been around for, like, five seconds. Yeah. 
he was a member of a, a relaunch of a new mutants team, and he had the mutant ability that he knew everything that everyone in the room with him knew, like within a certain range. Or touched. Or touched. But he only kept it while they were within a certain range. And he had the ability to retain all of that, but he, uh, like as a self-defense measure, was only keeping within a certain range because he would just go insane otherwise. Mm-hmm. So the last name is actually uh, Alan. Is it it's, literally just Alan? Yeah, it's a medieval spelling. Oh, okay. David Allen. It looks like Alien, but Alan, thank you. Mm-hmm. He loses his power in M-Day when the Scarlet Witch goes, no more mutants, and warps all of reality. So all but like 198 mutants lose their powers? She does this a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's all tied into a stuff we've talked about earlier. It's like one or two really big things. Why did she just... Why? <laughs> because she went absolutely out of her mind. Cool. I I do not have time to explain House of M and uh, Avengers Disassembled right now. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a big part of the Scarlet Witch episode. Cool. Uh, but the a couple of the psychics around, because he keeps hanging out with the X-Men, even though he lost his powers. Yeah. Honestly, Prodigy's pretty cool. But a couple of the psychics called uh, the Stepford Cuckoos tap in and they're like, okay, we can't bring your powers back, but we can bring back everything that you learned through your powers up to this point, which will give you a better chance of surviving. Like a bad idea. It kind of goes pretty well. That's a really good idea. If you're going to be living in the X-Mansion, that's an astounding idea to have as much knowledge as you can because... You're going to die at some point anyway. And he's super aware of that. At one point, he wears like body armor, like a bulletproof vest into battle. And one of the people with power is like, why are you doing that? And they're like, do you know what happened to Cypher? And they go, who's Cypher? And he goes, that's why I'm doing this. Because <laughs> Cypher got shot and killed and you don't even know who he is. Oh, and X-Men just die constantly. constantly. That's, a, that's a meat grinder. I mean, it started as a joke. Welcome to the X-Men. I hope you survived the experience. And like a solid half of them don't most of them come back but but then they a lot of the times they die again and then also come back again gene gray's died like six times but prodigy as they mention here he has all of the fighting knowledge if not necessarily the muscle memory of wolverine of kitty pride of cyclops who has a lot of knowledge in that front he also said he's a black belt in psychic warfare even though he doesn't have psychic powers but he can hold his own when someone attacks him psychically he knows the downsides of, like, he knows the favorite sex moves of Cyclops and Emma Frost. He knows how Wolverine likes to wipe his butt. <laughs> like, so there is a whole, and I love that Kieran no Gillen acts is the <laughs> no, person to, all like, <laughs> I love that Kieran Gillen is the person to actually call this out, being like, have you stopped and thought about how horrifying this power is? Bad. He knows everything. Very bad. But he also knows all of the science that the beast knows. That's a lot of science. It is. He knows, in theory, all of the magic that Doctor Strange knows, but he can't, like, but he knows, like, the words and the movements. He can't get it to work because the way his brain, he is very, like, ordered and logical. But magic is not ordered and logical. So he's like, all right, this is what I would do, but it doesn't work. Cool, which is how he scares the mother at that one point. He's like, ha! Ah! <laughs> okay, run! <laughs> so they bring back all these young Avengers. 
to fight off the Mayflower dimensions. That was pretty much every teenage superhero that was active in Marvel in the previous 10 years. Various X-Men kids, various uh, New Warriors, Power Pack, um, lots of X-Men kids. Troll was from Thunderbolts. Mm. Uh, the son of Hulk, Scar, was there for a bit. Mm-hmm. One of them's just a kid in a weird furry costume with an axe. That's Troll. Yeah. <laughs> She's a young girl that was raised by Asgardian trolls. Just axing people. Yep. <laughs> they put her in a troll costume and gave her an axe, and she joined the Thunderbolts, which is a team of supervillains being forced to work as heroes. It's awesome. I love her. Um... and then they that said that if mother succeeds that all the adults will just hate the kids and say that they're all evil basically she'll be able to feed on all of the potential they'll just like give up all the kids to mother who will feed on all of the like potential stories Mm. that come from the kids superheroes Mm. interesting because i was confused like the parents are still the parents. Like, they just don't, they're not physically seeing what's happening. They're not aware of the possession by mother that's happening. But they also get the crap beat out of them. And, like, all you see all the rubbery stuff that she does, her parasitic stuff, come off of them. But they're also still the same person. And that that, that kind of, like, confused me a bit. I was like, are they not the parents? Like, they're like they, the memories of the parents are there? Or are they still the parents, but the parasite is actually a parasite? They are the parents, but they're possessed by the mother parasite. So while you can't kill mother, you also can't kill the parents. people she's possessed, which works out when you have to explode Billy's parents. Yes. Who get a raw deal. I'm just going <laughs> to say this. Billy's parents, who are these wonderful, charming people who were super supportive of their kid being gay, but didn't like push anything. They let him come out on his terms. And they're like, yeah, we know. How do you want your eggs? Billy's obviously boyfriend that you weren't telling us about like uh we're gonna let your boyfriend after his mom dies move in and we're gonna be okay with the fact that my son suddenly popped up going i'm the son of the scarlet witch they're right there billy be nice to them they raised you (laughs) like they literally like she's kind of your mom but they're your mom Mm. you came out of her yeah. I just, I I feel bad for the Kaplans. And they kind of just, blo- like, at the very end when they finally are like, oh, like, that was weird what happened. He's like, don't worry about it. And they're like, cool. Let's go. <laughs> I kind of feel like when you find out that your son is the reincarnation of the disappeared children of the Scarlet Witch and a member of the Avengers, you just agree when people tell you things at that point. You're like, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, also, I think... At a certain point in the Marvel Universe, like, the writers started getting better about making sure that, like, normie people, like, reacted to what's been going on in their world. And I think at a certain point, you kind of get to, like, all right, like, something happened, but I'm not going to ask any questions. Because, like, events happen in um, solo comics every other day where a huge event happens, but it gets rewritten in a way where nobody knows. Yeah, that's a really common trope in comics. Like, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet affair, the whole thing that they just made a two-movie thing on. In the comics, it ends with people not being quite sure what happened, but possibly a lot of people died. Like, they don't just... In the movies, they bring people forward in time from right before they died. In that one, they just reverse everything that happened, and people sort of remember it, sort of don't. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's and a Steve cop Rogers, out writing move. But Steve it, Rogers like, is like a, a a sidewalk psychologist for like a couple of years. I mean, not in the comic version. The comic version is so wildly different. Mm. Same with Civil War. Um, yeah. Or like the uh, the Doctor Voodoo run that I brought up earlier. Uh, Nightmare invades our reality, and because he brings unreality with him, it affects time. So technically, he invades for like a million years. And everybody's alive that entire time, suffering from their living nightmares going on around them. But it doesn't matter at the end of it all, because when you take unreality away and reality snaps back into place, then it's literally just like a blip happened. That's the worst experience ever. So imagine kind of like, yeah, just I think a blip is the best way of putting it. Of These people are aware that wild things are happening all the time. Beyond their even understanding. And they're mm. just like, okay. Well, I'm going to go get had, Yeah, I still have to go to work. To, I mean, think of it kind of like COVID. Like there's this world changing event happening to us, but I still got to go up, get up and go to work tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow because it's my Friday, but like in three days, you have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Like, Plus, but, how would you take it if like I sat here and I was like, all right, so you didn't realize it. But 30 seconds ago when you blinked, that blink actually lasted for a million years and you had to relive your worst torture over and over. But and it you, doesn't matter because everything went right. So we're just sitting here now. And you have a feeling like you, you're pretty sure they're not lying, but you also don't know what that means. So you just move on. So you're just like, okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Interesting. I guess it's kind of like Teleramirad from Wheel of Time. Okay. I've not read Wheel of Time, so I'm going to have to trust you on that. But Same here. It's one of my geeky failings. <laughs> Next season on Noob Island. I'll be We're the, the noobs. <laughs> I'll be the professor. No, that would take like four years. Like, so many books. There's like 15 books, and the last one's like that thick. So like, that thick is a great descriptor on visual media. On a, on non -visual can, media. The people who know what I'm talking about. Okay, they, they, they get it. it. They get it. <laughs> um, any last questions on Young Avengers before we uh, wrap up here? What was with that last? I feel like the very last comic was pointless. I am not. Then sh the art changed too. I am not sure what the point of that was. Oh, the like the kind of epilogue. After, yeah, because the yeah, like it ended. Uh, you could end it with the the comic before that, and it would have been perfectly fine. Like, okay, that's over. They tied everything up. It's great. And then they have a party with like different art, and the characters look different. And then it's the you get nothing from it. I would argue they didn't wrap everything up, that the party wrapped up all the characters' emotional arcs yes, that were started. Fair. Because this book was more about the characters than the plot, like the plot is there and important and cool, mm. but... There's a lot of portions of the plot that they just do in montage, though, too. That, yeah. yeah. This is really about the journey of these characters. Gillen described this as he wanted a book that was kind of like a moment in time that's what it's like to be 18 years old. Mm. You know, where like all of these big important things are happening and you're not really a kid anymore, but you're not really an adult yet either. And no one's really taking you seriously. Yep. Uh, and you survive it all and have a party to celebrate. That's fair. So they wanted to end with a party and kind of wrap up some of the emotional arcs of Billy and Teddy had all of these like questions about the relationship or reality and, he, and reality. And he gave it these magical things, but it's a lot like falling in love when you're 18 and yep. being like, what, 
what is this? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the the tempo of that that issue itself was so strange compared to the rest of everything else going on. It really is. Think of it as an epilogue as opposed to the like. Next you know, step. they had this really packed story, and then they have this moment where we're like, "All right, we survived these wild things." Breathe. Mm. Just have that like exhalation and he wanted to tell that as a story um this book didn't actually have to be canceled they offered like this is getting great press and it's selling pretty well do you want to go on and they went no we told the story we wanted to tell and we could find more but we want to end on like we want to know that we ended this on a high point Mm. so they did Good choice. And I'm still mad at them because I want more, but I'm also like, God, I, I can't argue you there either. It's like, really good. Uh, the other artist is probably either McKelvey couldn't keep up, although he did do some pages on it, or they just had other artists they wanted to work with. That's a pretty common thing for final issues of like, man, I like you, but we've never had time to do a full project together. You want to help out for a bit? Mm. Um, I am trying to remember who that artist is. I recognize her. She's done a bunch of other work since then. She's real good. Yeah. Uh, But it is, it's very different from McKelvey's. It took me so off guard too. Like, because I saw there's one reissue. I was like, what? Like, like you could leave, like I'm confused. (laughs) Two more issues. The party's a two parter. (laughs) Yeah. And so like that happens and I see that there's still stuff to read. I'm like, I was kind of confused. Like what, like what's going on? So I go into it and it was just, I, I was not prepared for this huge shift in like tempo and art. It just hit me out of nowhere. I do kind of like the idea that Gillum came up with that at the end of every year, the teen superheroes just throw a big, oh my God, we survived party. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. <laughs> and then I'd be uncomfortable because I didn't actually like dance parties that much, but I, I would have gone. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. I also, I kind of want to, I want DC to steal that idea just to see all those teen heroes do the same thing. Yeah, do a big crossover. Do like Teen Titans versus Young Avengers. Bring it on. I'd prefer it not be called versus, but they always do. They're just they're in a dance battle instead. It's going down at this big old like rager (laughs) at the end of the year. It's like an abandoned warehouse. (laughs) Look, I just want Young Justice to meet Young Avengers. Okay, West Side versus East Side. That actually works because DC is on the West Coast these days. Oh, nice. Like as a company, they moved to LA a few years back. Okay. Any last things on Young Avengers? All right. Next week, we will be doing basically Arthurian legend, mostly with Captain Britain and the Black Knight. Your reading assignment for this is... This is the part where Professor Zach gave next time's reading assignment, but then we ended up changing it. So next time's reading assignment is Avengers 1 through 4 by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the quarterly game of Go Fish starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Noob Island. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.